did one of my favorite fall activities on Sunday. You went walking in the woods. Uh, no, I did not. I do like doing that. We did that Friday. Okay. Uh, fall activity. You had a, a, a bonfire. Oh, no. I love doing that. We also did that Friday. Uh, fall activity. Uh, <laughs> you went out and played touch football. All of those things are fun. No, you're not going to guess it. I Well, here's the hint. Let's see this cut on my finger. You were carving pumpkins. Close. Yeah, close. I was baking apple crisp. Oh, that's very good. Thank that, you for sharing. Well, I have some. Do you want me to bring it? Uh, I like apples. It, it took 16 apples to make this because we got little apples from McQueen's this year. They weren't very big, um, but that it was fun to do that on Sunday. I'll bring you some. One of my favorite activities is to go to the apple orchard and get apples. I stopped at Hasslinger's two weeks ago, and tomorrow I'm going to be down by by Mansfield. Yeah. And there's a, a Apple Hill Orchard. It's one of my favorites. They have 30 varieties of apples. Oh, that's fun. And I, I like to go there if I'm ever in that area. Yeah. And uh, you get different kinds as the season goes on because some of them ripen in August and then September and even some late ripeners. Is that the right, right word? Uh, sure. Yeah. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the 23 Podcast. Michael here with Father Herb. And you can't tell that it's almost lunchtime. We're talking about food. <laughs> <laughs> I am kind of hungry today. Um, anyway, things are good. We're just uh, off the top so we don't forget because sometimes we we <laughs> we never get off topic. But next week, we're going to take a little break from the podcast because Father Herb is taking a little fall I, I, I love to take a fall break. Most years is what, a, what we call brother bonding. I'm originally one of seven brothers, and yeah. we would get together in the fall. Uh, this year, those of us who are still surviving have voted not to get together no bonding actually i just said it's not going to happen <laughs> oh we know who we know who runs the ship in your family oh not at all the no, baby brother the baby brother <laughs> but uh but i am going down to hocking hills for a couple of days and my sister and brother-in-law will be there too so that'll be nice so uh we'll have some hiking and i understand it's very beautiful this time of the year it, uh, the colors, even around here, we went out to Oak Openings on Friday just to walk around a little bit. Beautiful. I mean, this is, we are in primetime color season right now. Yes. Um, otherwise, we are plugging along on the weekends. Speaking of primetime, we are in primetime season for everything. October is a busy month. It's the time of faith formation programs. Sure. Uh, RCIA is uh, cooking um, I was just sharing with Father before uh, we started the podcast that this week for 23 Home, the topic is baptism. So last night at our house, we pulled out uh, one of the baptismal mass streams uh, of our kids. It was for Emery's baptiz baptism back in 2015. But that one is one of my all-time favorites because in that video, our two-and-a-half-year-old at the time runs down the center aisle from the hallway out in the parish life center saying, wait for me. <laughs> she was shouting it as, as because mom and dad and little baby sister were already standing by the baptismal font yeah, with me. We were already up front in the middle of mass and our two and a half year old ran down the center aisle saying, wait for me. I want to come too. And then trips up the steps to get up to us. It was, it was a great moment. Yeah. Good times. Good memories. Did we have a video did we stream already when Audrey was baptized? You know, I was trying to remember that last night. Uh, and that would so have been in 2015, in... because we streamed when we were still in Ron Kelly Hall before we came into the church. Oh, for a long but when, time. But when did we start? I don't remember the year. So Audrey would have been baptized in 2012. 
it would have been October of 2012. Uh, so we would have been, it would have been very close to when we installed all the stuff down in Rock Holly Hall. I honestly, I don't have the video. So we were streaming before streaming was cool. We were streaming before streaming was strum. Strim, strom, strum. Uh, it's time to move on to this week's scripture reading. I think that's smart at this point. Okay, Still I usually try to. I try to find usually a really good uh, this, this segue. This week's so bad, we're just making a hard turn. Yes, this is a gospel reading. I just came from a Bible study, an hour-long Bible study by way of Zoom, and this is uh, one of those passages that we quote from without knowing what we're quoting. You know, the thing, give to Caesar what is Caesar's, give to God what is God's. We, we quote from that all the time. And we're not talking about pizza and breadsticks. Little Caesar, give to right. little Caesar's what is little Caesar's. $5 hot and ready. Yeah. Not, also not a sponsor of this podcast. <laughs> Too we, bad. We have none. Oh, that would actually, we could have. Eat, we, could, we, had, we could have sponsorship. We <laughs> eat some pizza, talk about scripture. Sounds like a okay, good life to and me. Equal time, so. Uh, Marcos will come in. Yeah, <laughs> we're still in the Gospel of Matthew this week, chapter twenty-two. And what what week is this? You're good at saying the the number of the week. This is the 29th Sunday in ordinary time. And this is the point at which I start asking how many Sundays of ordinary time are there. And I always answer, we celebrate through thirty-three, but sometimes there can be thirty-four. But we end with Christ the King. Very good. Very. That's a perfect answer. Well, we've been doing. This is our 171st episode of the podcast. We've yeah, but done, I haven't asked it 171 <laughs> times. We've done it a few times. Okay, so what that means is the year of Matthew is winding down. If we're on chapter 22, and we know the last couple of chapters are the Passion account, sure, and the Resurrection. So really, there's not a whole lot left that we haven't gone through from Matthew's gospel. So here comes the serious stuff. Uh, I think I'll read it. May I? Please. The Pharisees went off and plotted how they might entrap Jesus in speech. They sent their disciples to him with the Herodians, saying, Teacher, we know that you are a truthful man and that you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. And you are not concerned with anyone's opinion, for you do not regard a person's status. Tell us then, what is your opinion? Is it lawful to pay the census tax to Caesar or not? Knowing their malice, Jesus said, Why are you testing me, you hypocrites? Show me the coin that pays the census tax. Then they handed him the Roman coin. He said to them, Whose image is this and whose inscription? They replied, Caesar's. At that he said to them, then repay to Caesar what belongs to Caesar and to God what belongs to God. You know, we always end up reflecting on the end of a scripture passage, especially because Jesus is so good at turning things around. When they're trying to entrap him, he always makes them stop and think. Yeah. But we have to go back to the beginning. Let's start at the very beginning a very good place to start. I knew you were going there. <laughs> <laughs> when you read, you begin with? Chapter 1. No, chapter 22. <laughs> <laughs> Julie Andrews, you're not. Okay. The, the prologue. Okay. Anyway, the opening line, the Pharisees went off and plotted how they might entrap Jesus. So we know from the beginning the whole thing's an entrapment. Mm -hmm. 
And then it says they sent their disciples. So the Pharisees, these are Pharisees, but not even the leaders. It was like they're underlings. You go out and test this guy. But here's the crazy thing. They joined ranks with the Herodians. So here you have these two different groups coming together to test Jesus. Now, people always want to say, well, who are the Herodians? I was just going to ask you, hey, who are the Herodians? Well, the Herodians were basically Herod right. sympathizer. I was going to connect that. So okay. At the time of Jesus' death and resurrection, we know when he was in Jerusalem, the whole patient account, he was uh, the procurator Pilate was in charge of the southern part, which is Judea. Mm -hmm. But then, remember, during the trial, he learned that Jesus was a Galilean, he's from the north. And he says, oh, then you're a subject of Herod. Mm -hmm. So Herod was in charge of that. So the, there were people who supported Herod. Herod was kind of a puppet of Rome. He had apparently some Jewish blood in his in his tradition, mm -hmm. you know, his family lineage, but they were definitely part of the Roman Empire. So he was a puppet of Rome. Therefore, a Herodian was one who basically subjected themselves to Pilate. I'm sorry, not to Pilate, to to the Roman Emperor, was to Caesar. And Herod was was he not also brought up in the infancy narrative? That was his father. That's his father. Same yeah. name. Same name, Herod the Great. Got it. And this was, and then Herod the Great, I think, had three sons. So this is the one Herod. Got it. I think all three sons Herod, had the name Herod. Herod, Herod, and Herod. This is my brother Herod, my other brother Herod. No, <laughs> one was Her Herod, uh, there was F Philip, mm -hmm. and then the Tetrarch, and then there was the other one. Uh, oh, I recognize that name. Yeah. Good. Okay, so of the same family, though. Of the same family. Okay, so, so this is Herod. And uh, Herodian was a sympathizer of, let's get along with, you know, why can't we all just get along with Rome? Uh, they're in charge. We don't want to make waves. That's where the song, Why Can't We Be Friends, was originally written. Right. <laughs> I don't even know that song. <laughs> now, meanwhile, the Pharisees were, were pretty much purist in terms of Jewish religion. So normally they would not hang around with Herodians because Herodians were you know supporting the secular leadership and the Pharisees did not want that, uh -huh. but they came together because neither one of them wanted Jesus to have power, because if Jesus uh, became popular with people, mm -hmm. the Pharisees had everything to lose because it could mean he was an affront to Jewish practice. Mm. The Herodians would be upset because he would be an affront to the political stability. So it's sort of like. Have the, we heard this narrative before? The, the, per, the person who is not my enemy, uh, the person who is not my enemy is, no, the person who's, en who's an enemy to my enemy is my friend. Mm. So they were both on the same side here, but they were not close to each other in allegiance in any other way. They both wanted to see Jesus trip up on this question. You know, throughout the course of humanity, I would say humans have not been overly kind to one another in terms of back to the song why can't we be friends you know we're we're always trying to to one up we're always trying to i love the word in here in this translation entrap yeah. have you ever tried to entrap someone i don't i think i'm i'm too uh, authentic i would uh, agree i and furthermore i i i try to usually answer questions directly i don't say 
Oh, that reminds me, and then go on to a completely different topic. All right, I have a question for you then. No, <laughs> keep going. Okay, so here's the question. And he had Jesus, there was no way Jesus could get out of this trap, except he did. So the question was if you give tax, if it's, if it's lawful to give tax, to, uh, the census tax to Caesar, remember there were two types of taxes there were the temple taxes, which was the religious tax. Mm hmm. And then there was the census tax, which was the, that was the big thing. That was, you're paying because we're subject to Rome. Okay. Because they, they felt that the emperor was a god, it was also irreligious to pay tax. And for some people, it probably felt like a compromise with idolatry. Hmm. So everything's on the line. If Jesus said, no, it's not lawful to pay taxes because, uh, you know, we're compromising with that uh, pagan empire. He immediately would have been in trouble with the Herodians, but he would have been in trouble with all that the civil empire would have had. They would have crushed him just like that. Mm -hmm. But if he said, yes, it, uh, so that's if he said, yes, it is lawful. Uh, no, if he says not lawful, but if he said it is lawful, then the Pharisees would have been upset sure. because he was not being true to his Jewish roots because he was accepting another, another God. But he's smarter than that. Oh, definitely. And he says, nah, 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 nah. I'm I, not going to answer. I did not see that in this translation. <laughs> that, that's, in, that's in the, the original Aramaic. Oh, okay. <laughs> so what, what Jesus says instead is, show me the inscription, show me the coin. To this day, our coins have uh, images of people on them. Mm -hmm. But we, we don't hold them quite the same. We don't. We don't think of George Washington as a god. Right. Although he was pretty great in Hamilton. Right. <laughs> but not a god. Not a god, no. I, I'm not trying to be a blasphemer here. <laughs> <laughs> then repay to Caesar what belongs to Caesar, then give to God what is God. What does that answer really mean? That is the question of the last 2,000 years for the church. And it's basically a reminder we live in a... a a double world. We live in Caesar's world. We live in God's world. Mm -hmm. But which one really gets our loyalty? And it's it's always the thing. Through Christianity, there have been like three or four different things they've tried to do. One was to be completely separatist. Mm -hmm. You know, I will isolate myself from society. You know, whether it's the monks going out to the desert or the the Qumran community at the at the time of Christ going out into the the hills down by the Dead Sea, mm -hmm. or even modern day groups that sometimes just isolate themselves from society. You could take the Amish. You know, they basically have said, uh, "Yeah, we live in this country, and but we don't want to get caught up in all the the stuff that's going on." Okay. Okay. So that's one approach. Another approach, which was tried often during the Middle Ages is the church would rule society. So you put church over state. I'm guessing that didn't go well either. You know what? It didn't go well for either side. Hmm. I have discovered whenever, this is my own understanding, but I've talked with other historians about this. Whenever you don't have separation of church and state, church loses. Hmm. You know, you would think that if church was on top, society would lose, but it's always church loses because somehow the church ends up compromising its own principles. Sure. 
The third thing would be just the opposite, where the church would be totally subject to the state. And we've had that where, uh, you know, the king would appoint the, the bishops or maybe even try to appoint the pope. Uh, we've had that in some other countries where it's, you know, the, the president or the dictator tries to run everything. So finally, since Vatican II, there's like a fourth approach. So it's not separatism and it's not the church on top or the church as a, being submissive, but a dialogue between the two. Mm. And that's specifically in this country, that's been the model that we've tried to work on for years. We live in a secular country. We might as well admit that. We live in a secular country. That was the, the founding father's intention. Mm -hmm. They did not want an official religion of the country. We have to know, though, that we have something to bring to the table as people of faith. And I'm not talking about a particular denomination, but sure. people of faith have something to bring to the table. So we are in dialogue. But it behooves each person individually to answer that very last line. Repay to Caesar what belongs to Caesar, but to God what belongs to God. So it's basically, in many ways, Jesus is saying, okay, do you belong to God? It's really putting us putting us on the line. Do we belong to God? And the answer is yes. But how often do we live that practically in and, our everyday lives? Yeah, there's 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 nobody's going to say no. I don't belong to God. God's got nothing nothing to do with me. In fact, I love the every so often you see a survey or the research poll that says how many people in this country believe in God. But if you read through the whole thing. It's, it's a pretty high percentage. Mm -hmm. It's I think it's still over 90%, 91% of the Americans really? believe in God. Wow. Well, they'll say they believe in God. They believe that God exists. Let's put it that way. Sure. Then you ask how many people belong to a church, and it goes way down. It's sure. maybe around 50%. And then of those who actually belong to a church and go to church, the average is 30 to 35%. Mm-hmm. Of the 50%. Right. It's just getting smaller and smaller. So, in other words, we have all these people say they believe in God, but, and I'm not talking about COVID days, I'm talking about pre-COVID days, mm -hmm. with maybe 15% actually going to church on a, on a given Sunday. And then you have to ask the question, well, where's the disconnect? Where's the disconnect and what do you mean by believing in God? You know, is belief just kind of like, you know, I believe that... Uh, I believe there is, uh, a, what would I say? I believe there's a North Pole. Have I been there? No. Does it matter in my life? Only if I'm trying to follow my compass and it points due north. <laughs> but right. other than that, um, what do I believe in? You know, belief is not just a head trip. It has to be an action. It has to uh, engage us and it has to af affect every fiber of our being. So... The phrase I often use is, through which lens do you look at life? And I try to look at life through the lens of faith. So even, you know, almost anything, when I try to buy a car even, I look at it through the lens of faith. And I'm not telling people they're wrong if they buy a gas guzzler, but I, brought, I bought a hybrid. Mm -hmm. Because for me, it felt like a, a part of my faith is to respect the environment. Sure. So, but it's, and your your car is wonderful, by the way. Yeah, it it's great. It's fun to drive too. I, I bet. Well, that's ha that's 
that's good. Your car should be fun to drive. Yeah. But, you know, it's, it's like many things. It's about voting. You know, you have to look at, uh, do we look at it for what's expedient? Or, I mean, everybody has a lot of reasons they vote the way they do. I think one of the challenges for all of us, and I'm talking about voting specifically, is many people kind of know what they want. Politically, they know where they stand. Mm-hmm. And then they either are happy or upset with their church for not supporting them or supporting them too little. And so it's like, okay, do we start with our faith and let that lead to our decision, or do we start with our decision and then try to back it up with faith? Hmm. It's all about the lens, that, like you're it's saying before. It's the lens. You look at life through the lens of faith. It's a, it takes a long time to learn how to do that. It's a particular style of, of uh, making decisions. Well, and a lot of that comes, too, with informing your conscience, right? And oh, yes. You have, to, you have to know the teachings of the church. And by the way, the teachings are intricate. Our church has a lot of teachings, and they are complex. They are. You, it's not just a simple, we say this and not that. No, we say lots of things. If you read the document about voting, uh, faithful citizenship, uh, it's it's good, but there's so much into it that people in there that people don't even see. And perhaps you know those two words, faithful citizenship. I've been thinking about this document is a great summary of the approach to this Bo- week. It's both worlds, this faith and citizenship. Right. I mean, that is exactly what Jesus said in the gospel this weekend. That we are members of both worlds, and we are meant to. I love too what they said about Jesus that. He is a truthful man, right? And so that as Christians, as Catholics, we are also called to live in the truth and to be truthful in our witness to and, the gospel. And, if I may add, and always seeking the truth because we don't know the whole picture. Amen. All right, friends, just a reminder, we are taking a break next week for Father Herb's little fall. Will, will they even notice the difference? Oh, I will. I'm going to go to Tahiti. <laughs> I don't even know where Tahiti is. Out in the ocean. Uh, <laughs> All right, guys, we'll see you next time. Bye.